it's wonderful how how the American people display their sportsmanship. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you are listening to the Often Daunted Podcast, I am Burke White, and I am your host recapping the Indiana victory over Michigan. Following that, I will be getting into some of the latest news out of the Indiana camp, also followed by the some national news from around the uh, college basketball world, uh, mostly in regards to the Big Ten Conference, as well as sharing the latest results of the Big Ten Conference. And then I'll be uh, previewing the upcoming opponent, that being Auburn in Atlanta. All of that before getting you out of here with a Hoosier history hit. So thank you so much for tuning in. I cannot appreciate it enough. If you haven't subscribed to the show, and I mean, if this is your, if you're back, hey, just hit me with a sus- subscribe. Like, what's it hurt? If this is your first time listening, welcome. Uh, you are now one of the appreciated few listeners of the show. So uh, without further ado, let's just talk about how in their first true road game of the season, the Hoosiers stepped up to play and got the ever-elusive, ever-challenging Big Ten road win. Just a hell of a way to keep the Michigan streak going. You know, hey, it wasn't the prettiest at times, but don't look now. I think these Hoosiers might be good. The Hoosiers get the 78-75 victory over the Michigan Wolverines as the Hoosiers are rolling here, and this team's potential is snowballing in my often delusional mind. And with that 78-75 victory, we playing the song. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. In the battle, tried and true, Indiana, 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 we're all for you. Go ahead and check the Big Ten standings, y'all. Go ahead and check them. You'll see our guys sitting at the top, starting their Big Ten season with two victories. Let's go. A win against Michigan and Ann Arbor, like it's... It's always tough to get in without Jalen Hudshafino, without the immortal Trace Jackson Davis. The Hoosiers were able to secure an early Big Ten road win and find cohesion in doing so, even despite Xavier Johnson's absence from the floor. To start this game, especially to start this game, but throughout a bit, I mean, both teams were giving up the ball with just relative ease throughout this one. Hoosiers had ended the first half with 10 turnovers. They, they had to tighten it up in that regard. They had to tighten it up in that regard if they wanted to get out of a Big Ten away environment with a victory and they did just that I mean uh, I think it was four in the second half no three even less even better hey following that first half like both teams did come out of the break looking to protect the ball better because it it had to be a point of emphasis for both sides but Indiana was able to finally win the turnover differential in this game just with a stepping up a defense like through various guys on this squad they were able to win it 13 to 14 and and we'll get to each member of this team like it was a total team effort and while I was just talking about how the Hoosiers won the turnover differential at the end of the day even though he was responsible for four of those turnovers I, I wanted to start with Malik Renew. Malik Renew played his heart out and stepped up at several times down the stretch that it, it really put his sophomore bump in maturity on display yeah there was a flagrant yeah <laughs> I mean there was a flagrant foul I think he was trying to catch himself I think that was almost a natural reaction to going down like that. Like, it wasn't the uh, hottest start, but he really stepped it up in the second half. Malik ended his night with a team-high 15 points while adding six rebounds and two blocks to that stat line. And, in like, maybe the most important thing about Malik today was just the fact that he was able to stay in the game. I mean, he was able to greatly limit his foul trouble with only two in this one. Sure, yes, like I said before, he had that flagrant foul on Will Cheddar. But still, like, he, he found a way to maximize his availability, and his presence on the floor was felt for the 33 minutes he was there. McKenzie 
took care of business when it mattered most. Two free throws to push the lead to three. Absolute ice in the veins. Over the course of the game, he again, like, he brought an efficiency to the offensive end as he went uh, four for six from the floor. McKenzie was just able to continue finding his game at the college level here in the 24 minutes he saw. That was an entirely new environment to him. Like, playing in the Big Ten on the road cannot be fun. Cannot, I mean, yeah, you can if you love spoiling a bunch of people's, like, good time. Like, a lot of guys actually can perform under that. But for him, coming out the gate, entering Big Ten play, this was the single most hostile environment he's seen all season. This was, this had to be the only, like, majority pro bad guy crowded that he's played in front of so far. So, so pumped to see that he was able to, in his first Big Ten away game, put up 11 points and haul in four rebounds. He's starting to make real contributions to this team. And uh, gosh, it's just such a welcome sight. It is such a welcome sight to this Indiana fan. In the little time in the first half, Kalel Ware was able to show off his talents. He was doing exactly that. Nine points in eight minutes. Like with his limited, with his role limited by foul trouble in this one, I was glad to see that he was able to maximize the few he had in the first. Like he really was able to produce, even though he only played severely limited minutes in that first. We need, we need more of his presence on the floor for sure. We can't afford to lose him to foul trouble. Much like Malik, like, once he was able to start the second half, he was responsible for scoring the initial and game-time bucket, like, to start the second half. He just didn't skip a beat, came right out and kept going at it. Like, yeah, following that bucket, the Wolverines really started to highlight him and uh, looked to slow him down. The result being a relatively quiet Kalel Ware stat line as he ended the night with 12 points and 8 rebounds. Thankfully, the Hoosiers stepped up around Kalel greatly. I mean, uh, just, just able to add to the overall productive in a collective matter that we haven't seen, but like a, a manner in which that we have all been longing to see. Great to see the game end in the manner it did, with him ending the game with an absolutely motor-defining steal, just to seal the Hoosier victory. Like, if, if that isn't motor, what is? What, what an awesome defensive play to just shut it down right at the line. Timed it perfectly. Got it at the peak of his jump. Just a great effort by, a great effort when this, when again, this, this kid's biggest question entering the season was, is he going to bring an effort? Is he going to bring the effort necessary? And he is doing that and then some. He's bringing the effort necessary to close out games in Ann Arbor against Big Ten teams in their venues. That, that, it's awesome. We, we need every bit of it, and I'm so glad he's bringing it. Indiana's offense was coming from everywhere on the floor, like everywhere. That, that being said, Indiana dominated the paint battle, of course. Of course they did, to a score of 52-28. to 28. You know, that was, that was a score of 52-28, to 28, despite Will Cheddar acting like he was dropping 40 down low. And uh, Will Cheddar, over the course of this game, quickly became an individual that now may be able to challenge Peyton Sanford for Big Ten Villain of the Year for the often daunted show. Trey's three-pointers are continuing to be, like, we're going to talk about some of the Indiana offensive production, but... Unfortunately, just Trey wasn't able to find it today. He 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 found he was able to make shots when it counted down the line. Now, yeah, there was one missed, but uh, yeah, we, we we needed every single one of his makes. That's for damn sure. Trey Trey's three pointers are continuing to be just a more painful aspect to his game. That being said, Indiana's making of only one less three while attempting eight less from beyond. Like that shows you a lot about uh, how Indiana wanted to go about winning this game. It definitely wasn't from beyond. They're starting to play within the parameters of their own game, and I appreciate them for that. Trey had the opportunity to show off some ice in his veins, and uh, to an extent he did, but Trey missed the first free throw with the opportunity to push it to four points with two seconds left. But I mean, th- thank God he hit the second. <laughs> thank God he hit the second one to keep it at a three-point game. 
just his inefficiency from the floor on the night. He went three for 12, but uh, while it was just a painful shooting night, he made plays down the line. Um, that, that really did help these Hoosiers get over the edge. He knows this wasn't his best. He, he knows this wasn't near his best outing. He, he, here's hoping that he can just reflect on what was wrong, and uh, we can see him continue to grow as a primary ball handler for this team. He, he's had to take on a lot with uh, X being out, and guess what? The Hoosiers are winning. The Hoosiers are finding a way to win with their ball handle, their primary ball handler oftentimes as Drake Galloway. By God, they're still winning. So, I mean, just credit to him for being able to play a role that he may not fit the mold of, but it, damn, he's getting it done, and uh, the Hoosiers are winning their games. Like, that's all that matters. A win is a win is a win. With, with Xavier Johnson out, Gabe did exactly what we needed him to do. Like, really, he did. Just in order to steal a win from Michigan. Like, you needed him to just play his best ball, his best and safest ball for the time being. While having to take on 32 minutes, Gabe was able to limit himself um, to one single turnover committed. That was in large part him just trusting the production to the other guys. But I mean, rightfully so in that regard. The other guys are very efficient from the floor, while uh, Gabe still has to find a way to get his shots in our offense currently. But it, it was just overall a clean game from somebody munching far more minutes than we thought we'd need him to, like uh, to, to start this Big Ten season off. He was able to give Doug McDaniel enough fits when necessary. He truly was. Although, I mean, McDaniel's speed was getting the better of him at times every so often, just getting to the like getting to the rim as often as he did just hurling up prayers hoping to get fouled which I mean he did heading to the line I think taking 10 shots seven for ten from the line for him yeah Gabe, Gabe was playing well defensively like the one turnover he did have he made up for it with a steal so that's a that's a net zero turnovers for Gabe cups when when I said like Indiana production was coming everywhere it was coming from everywhere truly like every every bench player brought to the table at least six points. Just great, just just great distribution and just great trust in one another to secure the Hoosier victory here. C.J. Gunn was just massive for the Hoosiers in this game, and he absolutely earned every one of his twenty minutes out there. C.J. Gunn hit the massive go-ahead three for the Hoosiers to take the lead with to take the lead at sixty to fifty-nine with seven minutes left to play. I thought that was an absolute like we needed that. That was crucial. Basketball is a game of just swaying emotion, and that was crucial in Indiana having the confidence to finish this one out. Over the course of the game, he was able to drain two of the three three-pointers he took. Just a bunch of good from CJ Gunn in this game that, that we just desperately needed to start getting from CJ. Eight points for the day. Great to see him get it going on the floor. Like, really, really great to see him finding a way to get his shots up and seeing those shots go in. But, it, but even greater than that, for me personally, was the energy and just the focus he was bringing to the defense. CJ was like of CJ was of paramount importance to the Hoosiers securing this victory. His his four strips were just a breath of fresh air for the Cream and Crimson, and he he stepped it up so much on that end. He stepped it up so much. He's playing tough, and Indiana is finding a way to win. It's all relative. And then we're just going through the bench. Like how impressive was Anthony Walker? How impressive has he been cleaning up the offensive boards, putting the ball away, like? And not, not once playing outside the parameter of his own game. It, it's, it looks like it's clicked for him. And he's starting to become an absolutely, in, like, in, an absolutely integral part of this team. Anthony went a perfect 4-for-4 four four from the floor, ending his night with 8 points. And he was, taking, he was taking them all well within his range. And like absolutely maxim, maximizing what he was able to bring to the bottom line here. Caleb was able to continue to get time and get himself going to an extent. Going 3-for-5, he ended the night with 6 points. But it is great to see him and CJ being able to be trusted to still find the bucket when they're on the floor this season. The, everyone's confidence is growing, and uh, I just love to see it. In, Indiana rode the prize horses down to the wire here. They absolutely did. Malik and Kalel were not going to be coming out of that game. But in his nine minutes on the floor, Pey Peyton Sparks played tough. 
while being able to add six points to the Hoosier total here, like Pey- Peyton's presence was essential to the first half in order to allow Kalel the bench time that his personal fouls had warranted. He needed to step up, and he was bringing he he was competently munching those minutes as uh, Kalel had to take a breather. I thought in this game that the Hoosiers did very well, very well to limit Doug McDaniel's influence on this game. The Wolverines have lived and died with Olivier Nakamwa and Doug McDaniel's ability to light it up from the floor. While there almost seemed to be no stopping Nakamwa's turnaround jumper for a good portion of this game, unless, of course, you were a seven-footer named Kalel Ware, who could just, I mean, rise and grab it. The, the Hoosiers limited Doug McDaniel to three for 14 from the floor on the night. He was, of course, still able to get 13 points as he made seven of his 10 free throw attempts. But being able to limit his damage from the three-point arc like it, it speaks to the what this defense is doing. The defense is really starting to figure out how to play together. As the Hoosiers were able to amass 12 blocks and steals combined in this one, they, they were able to hold one of the best shooters on the perimeter in the conference to minimal damage from there, when that was by far the most glaring weakness of the squad to start the season. And like credit to them just for the defensive play throughout, but credit Mike Woodson for being able to nullify the possibility of a more than likely going in game-winning or game-tying three-pointer from Doug McDaniel at the end of this. Great showing from him. on in Like, really, really great job, Coach. Great job making sure that the defense knew what to do in that situation. Get the foul. Get them to the line. Let's, uh, it's all business. It's all business at that point. Well done. Also, I mean, in regards to just Coach Woodson, he is having so many different looks out there. Like, the, the freaking platoon subbing stinks. It did. And uh, Mike Woodson really, he allowed the Hoosiers to go with a few different looks. He was uh, working the guys in more fluidly, allowing their games to, uh, yeah, just just making sure it wasn't just a cold squad entering five deep. Uh, it really went a long way, and I think it uh, made a big difference in the result of this one. I mean, hey, I'm taking a win over Michigan any day, and I'm so happy we got to see it. What, what, what a night that game was. The, the Hoosiers should be giving you guys confidence. They are giving me confidence. I am looking forward to what is in store for this season because uh, I still believe these guys have a lot of game left to unravel. Like this, this Hoosier team, I've said it each episode, they are far from their best ball. And uh, even while we are stealing Big Ten away wins, I still truly believe that. So I, I am over the moon optimistic with what the squad can potentially do. And yeah, until the Big Ten team beats me, I'm going to keep feeling that way. Let's roll. Just keep winning. Like, just just keep winning. Keep your heads down, guys, and just keep winning. Just keep winning. With that in the books, let's get on to the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. The good. Kalel's dominant first half. You know, despite the foul troubles, Kalel was dominant in the few minutes he was on the floor in the first. Malik Renew's second half. Hey, we, we turned to him in his efforts down low like down the line, got the Hoosiers the win. And uh, C.J. Gunn bringing the defensive energy and playing his absolute ass off. Four, four steals in the time that he had is, is insane. It's, it's a great, that is being insanely active and feisty on that end of the ball. And uh, C.J. Gunn, credit to him for being able to step up, being able to play that defense that just we so desperately need him to play. E- effort and just tenacity like that are infectious. And uh, it's great to see that C.J. Gunn is becoming a source for it. And last good, getting any win whatsoever away in the Big Ten to kick off the Big Ten season 2-0. That is, that is so good. Being 2-0 before the break, before the Big Ten season. Oh, oh it's so nice. So nice. Look at the standings. We are atop them. It's great, guys. The bad for this game. Um, let's go with Malik Renew's turnovers. 
not great. Four. I, uh, yeah, that's going to be cleaned up by him. I, I trust him to figure it out. No problems there, but yeah, it just was bad in this one. Another bad Trey's down game. Let's just leave it at that. Poor shooting, but man, he brought he brought he brought effort today, and uh, and yeah, he was part of just the Hoosier win. I'm I'm not I can't even be mad at him. We like I, yeah, if we had lost, then we could look at that and probably be a little enraged. <laughs> no, not enraged. Just be a little disheartened after at the uh, overall performance. But hey, everyone stepped up and carried their weight today, and uh, Trey's down game can just go in the bad category, and then we'll leave it there forever. And he's gonna go get him next one. Lastly, the downright ugly. Now, the downright ugly for this game is the series of two CJ Gun generated fast breaks, only to miss on both of them and have it end up with a Will Cheddar just, I think it was a three pointer, but just Will Cheddar getting a bucket. It's just, dude, just was such a sad way to end that series of events. And lastly, your Show Walter Fish of the Game. For the Show Walter Fish of the Game, we are going to be giving Kalel Ware his fifth. This is, this is Kalel's fifth Show Walter Fish of the Game. And, uh, you know, hey, Malik's second half, it, it Carried the load in production there. It did. It really did. But uh, Kalel just hit the dagger. He hit the absolute dagger that allotted Indiana to play from ahead down the line. 13 points, 8 rebounds, a block, and a steal. Kalel was great on the defensive end and was just affecting Michigan's decision-making and just having his presence felt throughout this game. And also, just how to end it. That is how you end a game with a motor. Hell yeah, Kalel. Let's get into some of that Indiana news. First bit of Indiana news, I want to take this moment and just uh, say I take back everything I ever said negative about the, in- the NBA in-season tournament in passing. Like that environment in Indianapolis looked ludicrous. Absolutely awesome to watch the Pacers just take a bat out and bludgeon the Celtics all within like the last 80 seconds of that game. Play after play, just pay- going the Pacers way. It was awesome. I-, I haven't even watched much of the Indiana Pacers this year, um, but man... That in-season tournament, that environment looked wild. Pacers went on to beat the Celtics with them now playing in the Eastern Conference semifinal. I believe that's on Thursday. ESPN NBA draft analyst Jeff Giveney shared his latest thoughts on Kalel Ware, and they uh, speak loudly to what Mike Woodson has been able to get from Kalel. Giveney said, Kalel Ware is having a productive season, as few opponents can match his sheer talent in, in terms of size, length, mobility, finishing touch, shooting range rebounding, and shot-blocking prowess. He's added bulk, is playing harder, and is fl- and is flashing significant upside on both ends. Yeah, of course, Kalel Ware's stock is going up. He is he is everything and more. He, like, talk about the potential for what we thought he'd be bringing out the gate. Like, this kid has blown it away. And if he keeps this up, like, his one season here in the Candy Stripes, I am going to be so grateful for. Like, he, thank Christ we went out and got this kid. Xavier Robinson visited Indiana to witness the Hoosiers' decisive victory over the Terps Friday. Then Saturday, Coach Walsh was in Brownsburg to see Xavier and Lawrence North take on Brownstown Central. Six-foot point guard Xavier Robinson is the 119th overall recruit in the class of 2025. He is the number 20 point guard in the class and uh, would be a nice pickup for the Hoosiers. Don't know how much time we'd we'd need him out the gate. Like, uh, if if we can have a junior Ja'Kai Newton and Gabe Cups, just running it at that time. I kind of like the thought of that. But he could be a huge program piece to develop internally. Like, uh, call me old school, but uh, I want to keep some of these ballers from Indiana. Also, during that Browns- Brownsburg event, in which I think it was like sneakers for Santa, 
Coach Brian Walsh was also able to be in attendance to watch Trent Sisley and Heritage Hills take on and beat Evansville Christian 53-47. to Trent Sisley in that game with 24 points and 10 rebounds, making for a damn near <laughs> half of Heritage Hills production in other high school news because we're talking about some of our high school guys. Of course, we're talking about Liam McNeely. Montvert Academy just lit up Christ- Sunrise Christian 88-39 to in the final day of the Nike EYBL Scholastic Sunshine Classic. As Liam McNeely had yet another insane shooting performance. Sure, it's high school. You know, sure, it's high school. But uh, I'd love to see a future who I'd love to see a future Hoosier going for four for four from deep on his way to 16 points. Derek Queen in this one with 14 points and seven rebounds in his 21 minutes on the floor didn't hurt the Eagles' chances here either. And just a little tidbit in regards to Derek Queen, it's uh, starting to sound like some things are taking shape, and uh, we may be able to feel good about this one for the time being. And uh, Indiana's chances seemingly have climbed, but uh, I've been hurt. I've been hurt before. I've been hurt before. So I, I, I just cannot entirely allow myself to fall for this and let my imagination just get the better of me entirely just yet. Can't let that happen just yet. With that little short bit of Indiana news, hey, it's only been like a two-day turnaround since I last recorded. With that Indiana news down, let's get on to some uh, Big Ten news, some of those Big Ten results for you. I didn't mention it in the last episode, but I, I still think it's worth bringing up now in soon-to-be Big Ten member news. Bronny James has been cleared for a full return to basketball last Friday. A James family spokesman had this to say in regards to it. Bronny James is now cleared by his doctors for a full return to basketball. Bronny will have a final evaluation with USC staff this week, resume practice next week, and return to games soon after. The James family would like to express their gratitude to the incredible medical team, the entire USC community, and especially the countless friends, family, and fans for their love and support. Fight on. Good to see that uh, Bronny James is getting up, getting around, and going to be able to hit the floor here soon. Uh, those games, those initial games for USC are probably going to be pretty ridiculous. Um, I bet there's going to be quite the fanfare around those. And hey, get, get some more eyes on college basketball. I love it. Bring, bring everyone in. Come for Bronny, stay for, for just my, yeah, just mind-blowingly ridiculous play sometimes. And I say ridiculous and just, man, <laughs> you know, the, the, the capability for air is just not there in the NBA that it is in college basketball. And it makes for fun basketball. Welcome. Boo Booey was named AP's week four player of the week nationally and uh congrats to him he absolutely earned it with his 31 point nine assists and four rebound game against the number one boilermakers friday that performance paired with his solo willing of victory over northern illinois earlier this week where he was able to score 23 points with seven assists uh, that was all enough to secure him the player of the week accolade so congrats to boo we're still coming for you sad news out of maryland uh jameer young looks to have suffered an ankle injury in the Terps game in Assembly Hall on Friday, as he's been listed questionable for Maryland's game against Penn State today, if you were listening to this Wednesday morning. Since our last recording, Illinois visited Rutgers and was able to absolutely decimate the Scarlet Knights in the rack, 76-58, to for the first time since 2018, as Terrence Shannon Jr. got a double-double, dropping 23 points and hauling in 10 rebounds. Illinois then took part in the Jimmy V Classic, where number 20 Illinois beat number 11 FAU, 98-89, to as Marcus Domask scored 33 points and Terrence Shannon was able to add 31. Two players and 30 points, that's usually a formula for a victory one way or another. But, yeah, hey, this this Illinois team looks legit. They look like they might be the ones that uh, would challenge the likes of us atop the Big Ten right now. <laughs> yeah, challenge the likes of us. Hey, we're sitting on the throne right now. Let's keep it. Yeah, I know it's two, se- it's two games in the season. I'm going to have fun where I can. 
Nebraska's undefeated start ended at seven wins as the Huskers dropped their first game of the season when they played their in-town rival for the I-80 rivalry, the Creighton Blue Jays. At home Sunday afternoon, Creighton's Baylor Shireman led the Creighton Blue Jays, and I mean, he took 19 shots on the game. Like 19 of Creighton's total 43-point attempts. He was able to sink six of them, was able to get 24 points as well as tack on 10 rebounds as the Creighton Blue Jays downed the Nebraska Cornhuskers 89-60. And despite Kese Tomonaga being able to drop 20 points in that game, there was not another Husker who was able to hit double-digit production. Dawson Garcia continued playing without any help as Minnesota went into Columbus only to lose to the Buckeyes 84-74. Despite his 36 points and 11 rebounds, the Golden Gophers just didn't get enough from the supporting cast to overcome ex-Gopher Jameson Battles' 25 points when it came paired with Bruce Thornton's 26 points and Roddy Gale's 16. In the Battle of the AJs, Storr proved to be too much for Hogard as Wisconsin was able to beat Michigan State 70-57 in East Lansing. A.J. Storr just dropped 22 points as Sparty's hopes for the year just continue to let them down right now. Losing by ho- losing by 13 at home, I mean, it is just a shocking moment for a team that had as high a hopes as the uh, Michigan State fans did this year. That's all I got for you on the results front. It, again, the Hoosiers played these two back-to-back pretty quickly, if you ask me. I guess Purdue did quicker with that game on Monday. But uh, nonetheless, I, I, I was impressed by the ability of, the, of these guys to turn it around as quickly as they did go in there and get the victory. I'll be sure to include all the results that we will have from now until the next recording and uh, the next episode of the Often Taunted Podcast. With those out of the way, now we are moving on to the preview with Auburn following a short word about uh, my partners here. The Often Daunted Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Big Banter Sports. Big Banter Sports, just a network of basketball and football podcasts, each representing some uh, schools around the Big Ten. I believe we have a basketball podcast for each school. And uh, just getting to work with these guys, bounce ideas off them. I think it's brought a lot to this show, and uh, I'm looking forward to to what else it can. It's been a nice partnership, and I truly appreciate the team over there. If you haven't followed them, go ahead and follow them at Big Banter Sports. If you haven't followed me, everywhere at Often Daunted, everywhere at Often Daunted. That's my username across all socials. Just go ahead and give me the follow there. If you haven't, if you like the show, and you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. It just helps my ego. And uh, if you don't like the show, don't do anything at all, please. <laughs> Thank you. All right, getting into the preview of the Auburn game. December 9th at the State Farm Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Indiana will be facing off with the Auburn Tigers. It is going down in Atlanta, y'all. And uh, I'm actually really pumped for this one. Me and a bunch of the college buddies scattered across the nation are all going to be hopping on flights uh, Friday afternoon, meeting up in the airport and uh, heading to our Airbnb in Atlanta. It's going to be a great time. I'm looking forward to, uh, yeah, just mixing it up with the old crew. Mixing it up with the old crew, supporting the team we love most. It'll be a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, I'll have the recap for y'all. Like, yeah, in regards to next week's episode, it may come out a day later. Like, uh, the game Saturday, I will be recording it and editing it Sunday following all necessary travel that morning. So I do appreciate the patience with that one. Promise, I promise I want to just allot myself the time to give you the best episode I can on Monday. But yeah, the, the, so yeah, <laughs> so pumped to be heading to this game. And uh, rightfully so. Like this Auburn team, they, they kind of hit a rough patch here in their most recent outing. But uh, their their initial game to open the season with Baylor, that was a good showing. That was a uh, exciting first uh, outing for the team. 
still finding themselves at number 17 on Kempom at the moment. Like, this would be a great win for the Hoosiers. This is going to be a tough test on a neutral ground, although I have to hope that a lot of Hoosiers can show up in Atlanta. But Bruce Pearl, is it's going to be a reliable performance. Like, Bruce Pearl is entering his 10th season at Auburn, where he just continues to be a truly dependable coach. Just getting Auburn to the tournament in all but one season following his first appearance. They, and yeah, just a, side, a little side fun fact from fun Bruce Pearl fact. I guess you could just call it Bruce Pearl. He is the second fastest coach to ever hit 300 wins. Um, in his first 382 games, he was able to do so. And like I said about their last performance, like Auburn is coming to Auburn is coming off of a troubling loss at the hands of Appalachian State. Oddly enough, this game was played in Appalachian State's arena because I think Bruce Pearl just wants to make it a point to visit mid-majors to get like the their best looks. Um, I mean, it might get a team prepared for tournament time. That might make sense. But uh, e- even when it's in Appalachian State's arena, like Auburn should have come out with the victory. Um, but alas, they took the L, 69-64. to 64. Then App State rushed the floor on an unranked opponent. Appalachian State just shot the lights out of the ball. 8 for 12 from 3. And that really made the difference here. Auburn really struggled to hit anything from beyond themselves in this game, and they they will rely on that from time to time. But uh, here they had went 1-for-12 in the first half from 3, and then ending the night on 3-for-27. As a team, they're shooting 296 from 3 on the season. But they really hit a tough stretch against Appalachian State, a stretch that they just could not overcome. Auburn initially came out of the gate hot and with intention as they took the 19-to-10 lead in the first nine minutes of this game. But over the course of the rest of the game, Appalachian State would, would creep on them throughout before taking the 33-31 to 31 lead before the half. And then at that point, coming out of the half break, like they just never let Auburn take it back, always keeping them at bay, going shot for shot throughout the second half. Auburn's been utilizing a 10-man rotation, as we are now in December, with the lowest minute muncher still averaging 15 minutes per game right now. That, that is a lot of minutes distributed by Bruce Pearl amongst his squad. And uh, we should see a lot of faces. It really looks as if Bruce Pearl makes it a point to have Auburn look to utilize like fresh legs to get the better of their opponents. Six foot ten, two hundred forty pound junior forward, Janai Broom, spelled like Johnny, leads the Auburn Tigers in production with eighteen point three points per game to start the season right now. Here in his fourth season of college basketball, this being the second season with the Auburn Tigers after he had transferred from Moorhead State before the beginning of last season, where he still holds the Moorhead State single season record for blocks with one hundred and three. Janai Broom was able to end last season as a second-team All-SEC selection and hasn't dropped off a bit. The Tigers often look to work the ball into him, as he does account for a ton of their attempts from the floor, with his highest usage being in the Tigers game against Virginia Tech to end November, where he got up a total of 19 shots and was able to tally a total of 30 points to pair nicely with his 13 rebounds, uh, just completing the double-double there. While he is able to take the three, he has been struggling to convert from deep lately. Since going four for six through the first three games of the season, he has failed to convert any of his nine attempts he's had in the last four games. That being said, he's a jack-of-all-trades, like a a true big man through and through. Um, Indiana will have tougher big men on the docket for sure, like tougher big men on the schedule to come. But Kalel and Malik can't take it easy on this guy down low. In this game, I believe he will be playing his absolute hardest after his most recent performance against Appalachian State. While he was still able to get a double-double with 21 points and 13 rebounds in that game, his 1-for-7 performance from the free-throw line proved to be a huge factor in their shocking 64-69 to loss. The other player I wanted to highlight for the Baylor squad was uh, Aiden Holloway. Aiden Holloway is the 6'1", 170-pound point guard who uh, is just an absolute elite shooter as a freshman guard for the Tigers. 
He came onto campus this season as the number 17 recruit in the country and being the number five point guard overall. Following an incredible debut game against Baylor. Oh, I said Baylor before. <laughs> Second person I wanted to talk about on this Auburn Tigers team. Sorry, I was thinking about their matchup with Baylor. Following an incredible ga- debut game against Baylor, in which he tallied 19 points while also going four for eight from beyond the three-point line, he has been unable to reach the gear that he had had in that one. Those seven games, now he is averaging 10.6 points while adding 3.3 assists. This kid, right now, he is as streaky as a shooter can be here in the early start of his season of his career at this point. But if he's locked in, like, he can damage the Hoosiers, not only with not only scoring, not only by hitting, like, score-defining three-pointers, but also just the emotionally deflating ones as well. In the last game with Appalachian State, he shot 2 for 10 from the floor while going 0 for 6 from 3. Here's hoping that that shooting woes can carry into this matchup, and here's hoping that he isn't just due. His small stature entering college has limited his willingness to attack the bucket, and with the size that Indiana brings to the interior, I don't expect him to test the metal of our guys there much. So I, mean, I, I believe this will take the perimeter talking and communicating, not giving this kid his window to just damage the Hoosiers. While they depend on three-point shooting a lot, the Auburn Tigers are trending negatively in that regard at the moment. 39% three-point shooting in their first four games. Very impressive mark. Through the last three games for Auburn, Auburn though, they are currently shooting 11 for 57 attempts for a total of 16.4% from the three. They are also coming from. They're also coming off of a nine for nineteen performance from the free throw line. Any team going less than fifty percent from the charity stripe sets themselves up for failure, and that was definitely the case in the Appalachian State game. This Auburn team seems to be their best when they are letting it just rip from beyond. So if Indiana is able to slow this game down on the defensive end, challenge enough along the perimeter that Auburn has to run sets to get the ball inside, I genuinely believe the Hoosiers like should be able to handle an Auburn team looking to win on the inside. I'm always looking for our Hoosiers to get out and run, but if they have to pull back, if they have to pull that back just a bit to just slow down an Auburn team who gets tons of shots up, and in turn, they get quite a lot to fall, I I think that may be a way for this Indiana team to take the game over. Bolster the perimeter and make them work in the interior. Make them have to play a more deliberate half-court offense, and I think that could bode well for the Hoosiers. Rather than looking to just run and go shot for shot with a team like Auburn, with a team that has the ability to shoot far better than ours can at, at this time, just, just just let the game slow down a bit, and uh, I think that could do. I think that could help the Hoosiers out for sure. On the defensive end, Auburn plays hard, and uh, actually sometimes they play too hard. They, and especially their guards, can tend to sell out position right now for the sake of like steals and generating turnovers. Here's hoping that Gabe Cups and Trey... Um, can deliver the ball security necessary to limit their defensive traits from damaging us while also being able to take advantage of them selling out there like uh, to possibly find position on boards and also like also getting the ball to open players after uh, help collapses on our ball handlers both of these teams can see this game as an absolute resume solidifier and here's hoping the Hoosiers can have a great showing in Atlanta prior to the Michigan matchup ESPN's matchup predictor had the Tigers chance of winning at 74.9 But while the Tigers are coming off of a painful loss to Appalachian State, I like the Hoosiers' chances here. With the program's vibes really starting to get going here, like the Hoosiers are on a roll, baby. You don't want to be on the track right now. Full steam ahead. Let's keep taking our winning ways into Atlanta. I'm seeing a Hoosier victory, and I'm going to be more than happy to be in attendance. With that preview done for you, let's head into that Hoosier history hit. This is your Hoosier history hit. For your Hoosier history hit, hey, I have one that is basketball adjacent for you. That is related to basketball, actually. Wanted to discuss the candy stripes. 
We all know them. We all love them. But do we all know where they came from? What, who, who had the, who rocked the first candy stripe? Basically, the short who's your history hit answer for you can be uh, told by current IU swimming coach Ray Luz. As he said, initially, Doc Councilman put, stri- put stripes on swimsuits so he could see the rotation of the swimmer. And somehow that bled into candy stripe sweatpants, and they were winning NCAA titles and doing amazingly well. So they started in the pool in the 60s with Councilman. Bobby Knight arrived on campus in 1971. He wanted to shake things up. He wanted to put a mark on the program, get things going, get a new identity flowing for the squad, his identity. And uh, Bob Knight approached Doc Councilman and said, Doc, would you have any problem if I used those sweats for the basketball team? To which Doc just gave him the green light. So, yeah, the uh, candy stripes we all know and love, iconic to Indiana basketball, originated in Indiana swimming. Also an iconic program there. That was your Hoosier history hit. Thank you so much for giving me the listen today. Thank you for giving me your time. I can't appreciate it enough as I just I just love getting these episodes out. It's a uh, labor of love. I, I do it for myself. So um, just the idea that any of you guys out there listening enjoyed the show. Yeah, it makes doing it uh, easier, makes doing it more fun. So thank you very much. Hoosier fans, victory over Michigan. I will take that every day. I will take it, all of them. Give me all the victories over Michigan. Go ahead and enjoy the week. We have a nice week till the next tip Saturday. Go ahead, just uh, take a moment and breathe. Indiana's on a roll and uh, really starting to find their footing. A lot to be proud of and a lot to a lot to build a fan's faith. But yeah, hey, yeah, like I said before, won't be dropping that episode for you guys Sunday morning immediately following the game. I'll be recording it then, editing it, and then I will have a new episode of the Often Daunted Podcast brought to you Monday morning. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you and yours. Take it easy, Hoosier fans. Luck set Veritas. Go Hoosiers.